0: welcome back to the latest episode of the master of known podcast i am your host stephen murphy i'm joined by westy and sam the regular rugby crew we are back to discuss ra- uh, the first weekend of the rugby world cup which is, is amazing to think of uh, and amazing to say we have westy who was over at the irish game and we will digress or we will jump into the, his experience which is mostly good but some bad stuff as well uh, and as, as always we'll uh, look through the for oh, uh, the opening round of games as well. But first of all, Westy, yeah, you were over there. You are a man on the ground. You are boots on the ground. Uh, sum up uh, your few days in uh, France for us.
1: Yeah, I don't want to brag, but uh, I don't know if we've just said enough times that I was actually there. Um, yeah, so I was over... Um, I was actually overstaying with a few friends of mine who were over there. So We actually had a lovely uh, weekend with a few pints in Bordeaux on Thursday night. We uh, went to Cape Ferrat on Friday for the day. The heat was, it was 35 degrees, I think nearly everywhere, it was beautiful blue skies, no clouds, um, and then, yeah, we watched the uh, the, uh, the France-New Zealand game outside of Fishmongers, who had a TV and a keg and a tap, that was, uh, love and was loving life, uh, and then, yeah, we were off at the stadium, obviously, for the for the Ireland-Bordeaux game, and, and again, yeah, pretty heavy pretty heavy heat conditions, I've seen a lot of people say it before, but like, um, just for anyone who's heading out there before, now, uh, Ireland obviously won't be back in Bordeaux, but... Just for people's reference like the the transport infrastructure to the stadium was really really difficult so like we left two hours early and we barely made it we had to give up on getting the lewis the, the tram line whatever it's called uh to the stadium we had to get a taxi and luckily our taxi guy was sound but i heard people who were you know had to pay astronomical fees for taxis and stuff and even then getting into the stadium was tough so yeah go early um, there's food and drink out there. It'll take you a while to get it, but it's, uh, it's There was a great atmosphere. Obviously, the the Ireland game was. It's tough, when it's a midday kickoff as well because like everyone is kind of a bit more relaxed. But yeah, really positive, really fun atmosphere at the game, and it was uh, it was obviously a, a fairly emphatic win for Ireland.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like a mostly good experience, but unfortunately, the the, the infrastructure, or at least the organ, it sounds more like the organisation of it all is really yeah. lacking a little bit, which is I- amazing to think that France. The country, as Sam said, has hosted a World Cup before, hasn't thought about some of these things.
1: I will say that the people uh, are absolutely brilliant. Like the people were so nice, they were so friendly. Like you wouldn't, you know, you. That's a promote negative stereotype, but you know, you might hear like French people are this, that, and the other. But like everyone we talked to, as long as you know, as long as you're friendly, they're friendly. Like you know, we had you know people offering to get us expensive bottles of wine and stuff, and you know, it was um, uh, yeah, just a really, really, a really, really beautiful city a really great place to go really really friendly people but the infrastructure to and from the game and at the game leaves you a little bit to be desired
0: did you meet my friend pierre de resistance there was he at the <laughs>
1: <game>? <laughs> yes of course
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a throwback to some of the original listeners uh, <laughs> if, you, if you got that reference there are plenty uh, that's great Westy glad you had a good weekend Sam uh, first weekend of the World Cups in the books did you get to watch as much rugby as you hoped watched
2: everything that was available except Italy and Namibia I think I, I, I'm actually kind of I kept half an eye on the Chile Japan game at a family barbecue on Sunday but other than that I think I watched it all which was brilliant opening to the World Cup. My daughter, in fairness to her, as a two and a half year old, is a little bit of a rugby buzzer. She was kind of born around the, the Lions tour, and she she grew up watching games. She's been to the sports ground, so she doesn't really mind when I have it on, and she she chimes in every once in a while. Once in a while, with the go, boys, or a, she chimed in with a go, Rory, go a few times, and I think she was mixed up between the golf and the the rugby. But I'll take it. Uh, Just, yeah, it was great. It was brilliant to start the World Cup and be able to get all the games in because obviously sometimes in midweek games you do end up missing a few of them and you try to get as many as possible but it's just so hard to watch them all. So to be able to start the World Cup as strongly as I did, uh, I think, is a bonus. Just on the Pierre de Résistance thing, I wonder is Pierre de de Résistance, is that Peter O'Mahony? Is that what his French French
0: name is? Is that his name in French? It's like Beyonce and Sasha Fierce. It's like his alter ego.
2: Yeah, he's, he's Pierre he's his French version. He's Pierre de, de Resistance. I like it.
0: Yeah. Definitely yeah, he's definitely fighting for something anyway, Pierre de Resistance. He's he's you know, he's he's resisting against something. Fair play to him out there. Hopefully we meet him when we're over for the quarterfinals. Um yeah, that no, it was great. Great to have the guru beyond. As anyone who listened last week knew that I was not in I was in Connemara for uh, the girlfriend's family's kind of birthday party um, but luckily met a really nice guy who was out there and he had Sky Go on his phone and I got to watch most of the second half on the phone so that was great so we'll kick off with that game France New Zealand the opener what a cracking game to open up the World Cup uh, and I'm feeling pretty smug because I did predict that France would win this game I didn't see how they would lose it uh, I didn't think they'd win it by 14 points though so we'll we'll crack into that Westy, uh, your your review of this game uh, where France is impressive as you thought was New Zealand not as impressive as you were expecting. Kind of give us your breakdown of that.
1: Um, I definitely think at the start, so maybe in the first half, I don't think either team was very impressive. I think it was a really slow, really jittery start to the game. Obviously, the first, uh, you know, boudin cross for the kick for the first try was brilliant, but um, other than that, you know, it was kind of decent game management from France and kind of taking their points and it was on a, on, a, uh, on offer. And, um, and giving themselves a platform to build back into the game because I think they were quite different in the second half and they obviously finished quite strong. So I think both teams were quite cheery at the start, whereas France m- managed to grow into the game and impose themselves on the game, whereas New Zealand, um, yeah, were, were maybe not quite as controlled in a way, like obviously they created some great chances and took them, but... Um, it, it definitely wasn't that old kind of unflappable black wall that we're kind of used to seeing. I I think uh, again not to take away from the scores at all, but I think it, France were kind of a bit rudderless at the start, um, and New Zealand were able to slightly take advantage of that, but not necessarily in the old classic way of if you turn off for five minutes against New Zealand, you can see five tries. So I think France actually defended really well. You know the tries scored. Uh, you know, New Zealand kind of had to work for them in waiting you know, the cross for the cake was very good. The other pass out to Talia, to, to I think there was a lot of calls at that pass. Where I was, there was a lot of calls for that pass being forward. Um, but yeah, they made New Zealand work for the chance. And their discipline, I think, is really what saved them, what really kept them in the game, because they were able to build penalties in the scoreline um, before they were able to create those two beautiful chances at the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sam, any, has your opinion changed on either of these teams after watching that match? Uh, I'm a little bit more down on New Zealand than I would
2: have been. I'm I'm always quite positive on New Zealand, and I thought the South Africa game was a bit of a, a once-off. So, a little bit more down on New Zealand. Probably it, it's made my mind up that I'd prefer them in the quarterfinal if Ireland are to make it to the quarterfinal. And I I'm a, more impressed with France. I've I've always thought France were brilliant, but I always thought they were brilliant through Dupont. But I think that the fact that they were able to grind out such a convincing win against New Zealand, with Dupont being off form. Doesn't mean he was bad, but he just wasn't himself. Uh, And they were able to still convincingly go about their business. That It makes them look even more fierce and ferocious than they they have done previously. So I've slightly adjusted it, but either way, I'm still shit scared of either of them in the quarterfinals. I would obviously now prefer New Zealand just because they seem a little bit lacking in belief and a little bit less intimidating than they have done in the past but they're still New Zealand and it'll still be a quarterfinal of a World Cup and that's just a worrying sight for anyone so I think after the game neither team was tip-top I thought France were quite good I I don't think that they needed to push it too far out of third or fourth gear and DuPont didn't didn't need to play and they managed to win so that that's a scary proposition for us but no I'm not I'm not I am not have not changed too much they're still they're still both class teams
0: yeah, I, th- I think I agree. I think most Irish fans would say now that we have a better chance of beating New Zealand. I think in the quarterfinals, if if it comes down to that, not that we definitely would. But uh, Westy, what is it about that New Zealand team? I don't in front like it was their first game they've ever lost in the pool stages, which is pretty impressive. And um, but what is it about that New Zealand team that's just not maybe getting them over the line? I, I know a lot of the reaction was maybe the front row, the pack in general, isn't. Isn't as dominant as, as former All Blacks packs maybe in the past is it, what is it, is that what you think it is?
1: Yeah, like I, I don't I don't like to really pick on specific players, but I think maybe that that front row isn't as experienced together as, as you would hope from the All Blacks. Like I, I don't think Ethan the Groot would be overly happy with his performance over the, whatever the fifty minutes or hour that he played. Um, they've had quite a lot of injuries in rotation uh, in their second row. It's kind of been a, a question of who would start. And I, I don't know if 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 Whitelock and Barrett really ha- had the best of games. Um, again, I don't think they were overly bad. I just don't think again that that whole because of maybe one or two issues or two changes along or changes to kind of um, maybe not being able to pick the same selection uh, consistently over the last few months um, led to a lack of cohesion in that pack. And I think that was one of the ways that France were able to kind of get parity back in the game was they were kind of able to match up with them physically, and then they were able to create chances like i think um i, I think i think it was um i think although it was a very difficult game for france i think as i say they managed it quite well as i said before they were able to grow quite well into the game and as sam said maybe even at the end they weren't even in you know you think there's more there from them to come so um maybe new zealand you know we've been saying it's nothing but maybe new zealand took a bit of a conference knock from the uh from the south africa result as well but you would think would have not had two weeks to kind of shore things up and they were better. They were better against France. It wasn't anywhere near that kind of level of, um, that level of, def- of a defeat. But, um, uh, the issue now for them is, is that they have kind of three or four weeks to get things together before a quarterfinal. It's, it's not impossible, but it's really, really unrealistic that they'll be upset by Italy and especially more so for the two teams for Uruguay and Namibia. But, um, I, I said before, uh, the old thing when we when we beat them uh for the first time was you know you, you feel the black lash. so um it, it's all about how they react to that now how they push forward i think
0: poor namibia uh, next friday i think <laughs> they will experience uh, that black lash but um, sam i want to apologize to everyone listening last week i was incorrect i said nobody beats namibia 23 times in a row i was wrong uh, italy went and put 52 points on them um, your thoughts on this game, Italy just taking care of business uh, and winning a pretty big when they should have. I have to admit now
2: I just said it, it's the only game of the weekend that I didn't get a chance to see so I can't really uh, comment, comment on the score. I say well, I It might be in a better place to do it but from...
0: I also didn't see this game so yeah. I oh, you set
1: him, him up for that one Stephen Jeez, <laughs> <So, laughs> right, I apologize.
0: I apologize. About... I apologize. I forgot well, you said I'm, you didn't I'm watch gonna,
2: that. I'm going to put it out there. I'm not doing what other... Uh, Media and podcast would do, and just pretend I've seen it, and just say some bullshit hot take or or overused trope about the team, and say something like, "Yeah, Italy played for sixty minutes, and then they kind of died away at the end." There, <laughs> <laughs> who, who would dare say something it like did. that? Old okay <laughs> it was true the time. Yeah, it look, it looks, it you, looks here uh, like they scored three times after the sixty-minute mark. So this is in the anti-Italy, uh, new Italy, new uh, Italy, 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 Italy question, mark. new Italy question mark.
0: Yeah, I think. Look, I'd love to watch all the games. It's not happening. I got to pick and choose, and I'm sorry, Italy Namibia is not on my radar. So apologies for that. Wesley, did you see this game? Yeah, yeah. Fair play. Yeah, I'm
1: committed to this rugby world cup.
0: You are. Um, you really are.
1: But yeah, I, I was. I was actually you know, in a way. I was kind of impressed. Again, look, Namibia kept. it I'm going to say the same thing now about the Japan Chile game, but Namibia kept it relatively. Relatively stayed in the game for the first half an hour. Um, and then I think we see the advantage of, you know, being a professional team that plays regularly comes to the fruition for Italy. Like maybe I've only played something mad like eight games in the last four years. Like it's not that they're they're not playing rugby frequently. They're not getting the level of exposure that probably they should as a team that has qualified for so many World Cups. But um, no, it was great. Like it, it, again, you're not going to take loads from it from an Italian standpoint, but it is great to see. Italy playing lovely free-flowing rugby and it working for them, you know. Um, it's great to see, you know, Monte Ioni back in team and Ange So, I would say that, you know, Italy had gone with a really, really strong selection because they really have to hit the ground running in the World Cup to give themselves a chance. You know, they, they can't really look at anybody and say, oh, we should beat them without our, our, our best team. Even though I don't think that's necessarily the way teams come about this stuff. But, um, yeah, I thought Swanapole for, for Namibia was really good, the the 10. Um, well, again, for... for for parts of the game, I think towards the end of the game it was really just you know Italy imposing themselves. But um, yeah, I was impressed with Italy again, and I'd say it was great. Ange Capuoto back it doesn't seem like he's missed a beat since he was gone, and um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a really strong showing from them. Um, a, a, a decent uh, moves Boosh before uh, the Ireland game.
0: I do enjoy a move, Boosh, brilliant. Thank you for that, Westy. Uh, next game was Ireland Romania. We all watched this one. Uh, thankfully, I got to watch it fully. Um, I was really happy with this performance from an Ireland point of view. It's exactly, I think, what we wanted. Uh, everyone got through fairly unscathed. Uh, Johnny Sexton looked good. He looked like a man who didn't really miss a beat after six months, which is incredibly, incredibly impressive. Um, and he got through, even though he got cheap shot, and I'm cheap shotting here in air quotes, uh, absolutely ridiculous to call that a cheap shot. Uh, but look, the independent's going to be independent. Um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I thought, first of all, Bundy Aki unbelievable, what a performance by Bundy look, I know it's Romania, I know it's pretty much another warm-up game, but he looked sharp, Ireland looked sharp overall as well I thought, which is fantastic Um, and someone made a good point, I think we were saying, I don't know if one of you guys were saying it last week, but the good teams, the really good teams, they put up big scores on teams like this, and Ireland have been bad at that in the past, and to go out and put 82 points on Romania, uh, albeit not incredibly impressive, it's exactly what Ireland should have done and it is what we did, and it's it's that's what impresses me the most. Um, we didn't look like we missed a beat, really, uh, again, which is, uh, we haven't really had a stern test in the last few games, and that worried me a little bit, uh, but they looked, they looked sharp. Uh, Sam, do you share that sentiment?
2: I think it was important that they started well, and they started, uh, I thought that the strength of the team indicated that Farrell believes that as well, because in the past, we've been liable to go out against uh, Namibia say, and, you know, rest players and not play to our best and maybe not get a scare scare, but get scared a little bit. And then the Japan game as well. Like I know that it was a brilliant story for Japan and they'd worked their asses off for it, but you would have wanted to see Ireland win that. I still, I still believe Ireland should have won that like they played to their ability. So this was a good match for Ireland to get rid of that level of kind of complacency that can creep in or has crept in in the past and to just go into this World Cup and just take every game as a must win and just win them all. So to beat Any team by 82 points, regardless of who they are, is a good, it's an amazing feat. So I was impressed with the manner in which they played outside of the the, conceding that first try after three minutes. And they, they looked a little bit impatient in the kick tennis and they lost that battle. And I thought there was poor decision making for all of about three minutes. And then after that, I think everyone decided, no, let's go about this professionally. Let's not take our foot off the gas at 60. Let's keep going. The points difference could come into it if we draw against South Africa or Scotland. And that was, in my opinion, brought forward by Bondiaki. I think that he was a man possessed in terms of he wanted to get go for a ball and he wanted to keep that intensity up right through to the very end. And Henshaw not being on the bench allowed Bundy to play as much as he did. Um, You know, scoring a try in the 75th minute, he looked fresher and fitter than he's looked in the past, especially for Connick, but, you know, he, he had a turn of pace that I haven't seen in a couple of years. So I thought he brought an intensity that everyone else rose up to and that helped players through. So I was, yeah, I was really impressed with the game. And you can caveat it oh, all you want with it was just Romania. That, that proof will be in the pudding. You know, they'll, they'll go in next week against Tonga. And I think that they'll want to do, obviously, not 82 points, but they want to do similar. They want to put up a score. They want to impose themselves on the game. They want to say, look, we are the number one team in the world and we're going to beat everyone because that's what the number one team in the world should be doing. And then, you know they come into the South Africa test after that and that's a bigger test again but you've not been complacent you're not trying to find your level you're already found your level you're going into it hot and that's that's the most important thing to do in tournament rugby
0: absolutely Westy were you like me and two minutes in or three minutes in when we conceded that try was there some uh some worry set in that oh my god why is this happening how is this happening because I was-, I, I was guilty of that I was guilty for sure
1: I was dripping with sweat, but I'm not sure that was the right reason. Um no, yeah, like it was it was a really impressive score. I mean, it's a small mistake from I get it like from from Earls and then it it's a great run along the wing and they finish really strong. And you know, of course like we all like someone asked me before the game, it's like, Oh, if Romania score, will you cheer for them? And I was like, Oh, of course I will. But assuming that they'd be scoring in like the last ten minutes when we'd already won the game, so I was kinda like, Oh yay, oh god. Um and in the slight defense of Romania, because I have to as, as a tier two correspondent, for thirty minutes they didn't look that bad. You know, after thirty minutes it was eighteen eight. There was never there wasn't gonna be a fear and a win that but you know they had they taken a penalty, their tackling was decent, their set defense was alright. It was once it got to phase one or two they couldn't reorganise fast enough. And it's one of the things it was so great to the Irish guys just throw the ball around with the plumb because Romania didn't know how to handle it at all. It, in many ways, I would say, it's it's classic All Blacks from Ireland there, do you know? Um, but yeah, once you get up and running, really, really impressive. As you guys alluded to already, the, the bench coming on really kept that level high. And it would have been so easy for us to cry off again, like in, in immense heat. Um, actually, our handling was quite good, given just how kind of sweaty and, and, and it was. And they were in direct sunlight for, for most of that game. So um, really impressive, actually, from Ireland. Really impressive uh, cliniciability. Uh, I'm trying to say I'm tripping over cynicism, but I want to say uh, cl- clinicism,
2: clinicality, very
1: clinical, clinicality. That's the word. Uh, regular I don't know that's a word. I'm pretty sure I just
2: made that up. I uh, I don't know if that's a the word. Either. They
0: were very clinical.
1: They were very clinical. Let's just go with that. Um, and yeah, they they kept the front of the gas. They put it out as a statement, right? Like they've been We can say the Samoa Samoa game was a bit of an outlier, all we want, but like they would have wanted to silence any bit of doubt, even in their own minds, that alone in the media's minds, that like you know don't believe the hype but um yeah we went out there with a with a you know a very very strong starting 15 and we showed what the number one team in the world should be doing to what i'm going to say are probably the worst team in the competition i know they're not ranked lowest in the competition but um well one of the one of the the lower lower, lower, lower ranked teams in the competition
0: yeah, I think that's fair. I think, well, you mentioned the handling. That's one of the things that really started for me. If you've seen a couple of sloppy passes or a couple of sloppy knock-ons, that's a real indication to me that their mindset's not right or at least the sharpness isn't there. And there wasn't that. A lot of the tries are lovely little pop passes. And, and that's I think that, to me, is a sign that Ireland are kind of firing on all cylinders. So, like you said, it couldn't have went much better, I think, from an Ireland point of view. You know, again, everybody came through fairly unscathed. So... Uh, that's that's all we could ask for. So, brilliant start from Ireland. Uh, Wesley, come back to you. Your poor Georgians, your sweet, sweet boys. Uh, they lost 35-15 to Australia. Again, didn't see this game. Uh, I was in Connemara, but talk me through it. Uh, bad bad day for your boys or just beaten by a better team?
1: Oh, bad day for Georgia. Sorry, I'm having none of this. I'm having none of this like Australia. Oh, the, the hype is, you know, the, the death of Australia has been oversold. Georgia dropped, broke the Australian line and dropped the ball three times. Like, they beat themselves. Like, they, they cut the Australian defence open. And then one tiny little mistake, one bit of white line fever. Okay, like, I'm oversimplifying a little bit because the, defense, the scramble defence from Australia was really good. But, you know, I, I, heard, I was listening to the commentary for my sins at the start of the game. Like, oh, Georgia used to be really good at the scrum. And they've kind of given that up to try and expand their game. It doesn't really work for them. Like they're saying the same thing about Japan except the other way. It's like, are teams not allowed to try and develop? Like do they have to stick to the stereotypes that you believe to be true all of the time? Georgia broke that line five times and only managed to get two tries out of it. Like it it was a shame because I uh, I really taught I really think they are an improved side. I think they have an amazing Set of backs for the first for well you know the last few years but you know they've had that's not something they had back in the nineties or, or the nineties. Um, and I think Australia were able to rely on well look they were young players I don't want to say more experienced but um okay they Australia are a better team yeah I'll I'll give you that and and they're better players but I, I don't think that scoreline at all reflects how well they played. I thought M- Mark de was unbelievable. Uh, besides, I call him the Namanganich uh, Watsonator. Hmm. Um, hashtag, you know, there's a doesn't hashtag make his
0: name any easier to say, unfortunately. No, <laughs> does it doesn't. <laughs> um, ben
1: Donaldson, I thought was really impressive. I thought Will Skelton was so good that came right through a, a rolling mall and and broke it up. But yeah, look at okay, Australia were the better team on the day. I, I give you that. But I like Georgia just butchered so many opportunities. Um, I was actually watching this back in the airport uh, on uh, yesterday coming back from Bordeaux, and I was getting very very frustrated at at at, a, at the lack of. Um uh, the lack of cohesion from from Georgia. So I was really disappointed for them because I thought, okay, right, maybe maybe they're not better than Australia. Maybe not good enough to win. But I don't think the scoreline is reflective of just how impressive they were at times in that game. And right up to the end as well, they stayed in the fight. They didn't waver. Um, so yeah, and if you want to talk about cheap shots, sorry, sliding in knees first on someone who's just going a try, that's fucking cheap shots from Australia. diving after someone who's just stepped past you to get over the line that's not a cheap shot sliding in with your knees should be
0: that should be a penalty you know it's ridiculous it happens so often i hate it but there's no benefit to it yeah no you're never gonna get you can tell what a cheap shot is and what it what isn't a cheap shot yeah uh but yeah poor poor from uh hopefully georgia can step it up next game uh next game i think is probably the nomination for most disappointing performance of the week uh, and that would be england argentina i think argentina Everyone expected a lot more from Argentina. They were really, really bad. They just didn't look didn't look cohesive. They didn't look like they were... It's like, it's like they didn't even want to show up for some reason. England, George Ford, the George Ford game that will be ever forever known as. Um, three drop goals, if I'm mistaken. All absolutely slotted, by the way. All very, very impressive. Has um, is my, is my opinions changed much on England after that result? I mean, probably not. Apart from that, they didn't really look great. Look, they gutted it out. Like Sam, are you? Are you? Do you look at? Do you look upon England now with a bit more uh, faith in terms of them getting to the latter stages here, or was that just a really bad game from Argentina?
2: I said last week. I think they go through anyway, uh, and then I think that they can go deep because of the side of the draw. I to have more faith in England if I could be reassured. If I was an English fan, I could be reassured that they will stick with George Ford and not bring Owen Farrell in. I think Owen Farrell at twelve puts too much pressure on Ford to just ship it onto him. I think Owen Farrell at, 12, at ten doesn't manage the game the way Ford does that time. I think they're different types of tens. Some English fans have been calling for Ford to play for years because of what he's capable of doing. I think he played a great game. You know, he scored all of their points. I think he managed the game quite well. And I think Argentina were disappointing. England weren't great, but Ford managed to kind of make something for them. Something happened. So. I wouldn't be too pushed about getting them if I was Ireland. If I was the Irish management, I wouldn't be overly scared of them because I don't think they brought more to it. I think it's funny that last week when we had Ed on and he was, I was saying like you know tactical nuances and changes, and he said, "What could they do? Just add more ways of kicking the ball forward." And yeah, George Ford managed to add scoring points from three of them, so it's an interesting tactic. But no, I'm not massively scared of them. I'll I'll probably eat those words at some point. They probably win the fucking World Cup, but I'm not as scared of them now. Uh, because I don't think that that was an Argentina team that would, you know, is worth talking about. I think that Argentina team really disappointed, and they will be massively disappointed themselves. Uh, and they want to get their act together going into the next couple of weeks because they just they won't want to get, you know, they won't want to slip up and get knocked out. Uh, that is, it is possible. It's cap- there's there's upsets that it can happen there, so they they should be a little bit more worried. England will be happy that they got that result, however, because that was seemingly their hardest game of the 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 pool stage.
0: Yeah, I think look at when you look at certain teams, a lot of it is uh, you know reproducible. Like Ireland's game is repeatable and it's it's consistent. Relying on three drop goals a game, I don't know how far that's going to take you in the World Cup. Um, Johnny Wilkinson ball, won the World Cup doing it <laughs> well. That is, and and the English media will let you will let you know that it's the, you know, re, the reborn Johnny Wilkinson's back in the form of George Ford. Um, but with ball in hand, they still looked really really not threatening England, but look at, who knows? Uh, let's talk with Tom Curry, red card. Um, I think I was in the minority of this, where I did not like it. Um, Wesley, before I go on, maybe a bit of a rant, why don't you, what was your thoughts on it?
1: Um, I actually think it was, I think it's a little harsh, in, in a way, but I also think they're finally reffing, the correct circumstances, and the issue for me, is that he is never bent at the hip. So, regardless of the position of that tackle, um, it's always going to be head-to-head contact. Now, there's a little bit of inconsistency because in the Japan Chile game, there was quite a similar decision. I think this one is different because it involved... The player was coming down from the air, right? Um, Sorry, I had a lot of pints when I was watching this game. Um, Absolute lot! Um, But, yeah, so... uh, Kick it over, Wesley! Kick (laughs) it right over, man! (laughs) Can you believe there's not a stick of Heinemite in Bordeaux? No, I'm totally pissed off. Um, but, yeah, so a little bit different because it involves a player in the air, so it involves a complete lack of timing, right? So you, you hit him relatively early and he was upright. If, if Tom Curry was bent at the hips in any way, you know, even a minor kind of dip, I would say it was a very harsh decision and maybe should have been let go. But, like, that is the letter of the law. And this is exactly what they're trying to get rid of. And I love the fact that the referee said, he was never in a realistic position to make the tackle. Because that's what I think we should be doing. Players are going to get hit in the head. Players are going to get concussed. We can't base it on the severity of the injury. It has to be on the circumstances that led to the injury. And the circumstance here is that Tom Curry is never in a position where a legal tackle will take place.
0: No. And here, look, okay, at on reflection, I think everything you said is right. He doesn't do himself i I've favors. convinced you. I've, I've won you over to myself. No, I, I've, I was <laughs> I was angry in the moment. And here's what I hate about it. There was three other incidents that were the same. We, I think, we had three incidents. We had one red, one yellow, and no, no penalty at all. And that is what's killing. That's what's killing me is that the annoying part because, look, I I don't particularly have any fondness for England or Tom Curry, but I hate the fact that Tom Curry five minutes into his World Cup is sent off. And w- will he feature again?
2: Yeah, it probably will. But if it'd be a but too yeah, much
0: three game ban for that I I hate that and I always go back to I sorry when I always say this as well like I know what I say is not the letter of the law the letter of the law is the letter of the law what I'm saying is I would rather a red card and I always go back to Paul Boyle on this podcast saying like you know for a, a like a proper like malicious act Tom Curry I will defend him a little bit and say when someone's coming down from a height, you're right, Wes, he doesn't bend. But it's not the same as like someone's running straight on you and you still don't bend. I feel like that's he's, different when someone's He's also landing. the
2: second man. There's no need for him to be there. There was already someone No,
0: who... I know. I know. Yeah, I, and also... and, and uh, Elliot Daly, he gets low. He he doesn't yeah. hit a man in the head. So I think I think Curry
2: yeah. gets the red card by the letter of law because of what he does. But also, he needs to be better. That's his problem. I, I, I agree with the malice thing. If that was, if that was in any way measurable... Then yes, but I know it's
0: not measurable. But like, look at it. Use your head as a referee. There's no oh, malicious yeah. intent in what Tom Curry is doing. No, there's not. I'm sorry, I hate that argument because you can tell when someone's being a dick. And when I don't think
2: you him. can because I think that the the Fijians, Samoans, and Tongans for years have been deemed to. Oh, that was an aggressive tackle. No, that's the way they tackle, and that's there's there's no malice in it. No, they you can see it in the way that they interact with each other after games. They have zero malice in it. But that's the way that they tackle. And I think Tom Curry, there's no malice in what he's done but he's been stupid in the approach. He didn't need to be there because he was the second man anyway. If he jumped a little bit off the ground and put his hand up, even if they clashed heads, it would have deemed that he was trying to contest for the ball and he would have probably been fine. But the fact that it was, is he tried to tackle a man as he was landing. He tried to be dominant in it and he needs to, if he's going to be a dominant tackler, bend. Like that's just the way rugby is at the moment and it has to happen. Like I agree with you. I'm I'm really disappointed for him because I actually just think it was just bad timing and complete fucking... It was a whole host of events that ended up, you know, ending up like that. If he hits him in the chest, his exact same action, and he gets away with it. And I think that he should be reffed on the fact that he didn't bend. And that's what has ended up happening because of the outcome. And that's the right ending for not necessarily the right reason for refing it, if you get what I'm saying. Like, I agree with Westy. Like, they've they've the what he's done, the standing up tall. They've only reffed that because he hits him in the head. They wouldn't have they'd have ignored it if he had just his timing had just been completely freaking eat him in the chest. He still would have been a reckless tackling position.
1: But you're also talking about a team that's had five or six red cards already this year. Like at what point do you stop blaming the players and the referees and start blaming the bloody coaches? Like yeah. how are they coaching them on a tackle? We had Adrian Papali on this podcast two years ago, and he took us through in detail what the kind of coaches did with him to fix this tackling. They held a stick over a tackle bag and was like Tackle on the stick or you're getting smacked with the stick. I don't know they actually smacked him with the stick. But, you know, they gave him a target. a hit below, hit below, hit below, hit below. Now, you won't fix it overnight, right? It, it takes work. And probably he has gotten red cards since. But... The coaches have to change the way they're delivering the message. I'm so sick of like, it's been one week and we're going to get to the VG Wales game in a minute and I am going to completely contradict myself. But it's been one week and we're already giving out about the referee. And it's like, well, no, like, you know this is going to happen. If you collide with heads, even if, even if it was a bloody toss of a coin, if you knew head-to-head contact was a 50-50 chance of getting a red card, you wouldn't take the risk. You're being told that it's more than a 50-50 chance to get a red card and you're still taking the risk.
2: You know what I absolutely hate? As well, is that players are getting away with red card challenges because they're getting dominated by the runner. Tacklers are going in completely upright, getting absolutely abused, and the refs going, "Ah, oh, play on." But like they've actually they've made head contact, but it's only for the fact that they weren't the dominant tackler that they get away with it. And it's the like we're saying you should be refing the action. They they tried to go in high and ended up getting flanned. It's happened in a couple of games, but in the Wales game in particular, I remember one, uh, and then there was one or two others where it's like the tackler. Just because he gets dominated and doesn't make a tackle, ends up getting away with a shit tackle.
0: No, look, and I and you're right. If Tom Curry bends, there's no issues with that. And I, I will push back on the coaches though, because like these lads aren't idiots. Like they're, they're they world they're they professional rugby players. They seemingly
2: are though. Like no, they, but
0: like I'm saying, there's still an onus on them to make the tackles. Like you know what I mean? Like as you said, they're not they're not living on the rocks where like they're not seeing all the media stuff. Like the, there is an onus. I know what you but, mean. Like,
1: it's the people I was saying, like, oh, instinct kicks in. It's like, yeah, instinct kicks in because that's the way you've done it for the last 20 years. If, if you were doing it different week in, week out in training, your instinct would be different. Do you know? I'm yeah, not saying no, the players are I'm not saying but... the instant at all. I'm just saying that, like, when you look at a team with a discipline record like England, it's like, well,
0: you know, it, like, it's not just the referees,
1: lads, like, seriously.
0: No, I know, I know. I agree. We'll, we'll get to refereeing later on with the wales Fiji game, but I just, I, I, again, it comes back, a lot of my anger comes back to the inconsistency of it, and even going back to Farrell originally getting off from his tackle, eventually he got appealed and got, t- but like, they just, as soon as that happened, they opened themselves up to all of this. You could tell it was going to come any sort of 50-50 or any sort of call, it was going to be scrutinised, and that's what it because I don't want to be talking about refereeing decisions. I don't want to be talking about that, but... That you know, it didn't impact the game. England went on to beat Argentina by seventeen points. But um, yeah, we'll look, we always were going to top with that. But look, England after a cracking start, Argentina very disappointing. Uh, Wesley we have to go to you for this next game. You are two again, another one of your a couple of your children here. Japan and Chile, uh, Japan coming out on top forty two points to Chile. Talk us through this game. Are you again? Is just like trying to pick your favorite child? Was it tough to watch this game and cheer for someone?
1: Yeah, I was wearing my Chile jersey uh, all day yesterday. Um, but yeah, oh, this, this was a tough one for me because I'm a big, I'm obviously, I'm a big fan of Japan. Um, I'd love to see them do well. I, I said earlier, like when the when the commentators were talking about like, oh, they, they're not quite as offloady and quicky as they used to be. It's like, yeah, well, they've developed a kicking game. They're trying to grow, you know, trying to develop other ways of attack. Otherwise, you know, you know what they're going to do. Now you don't know exactly what they're going to do. And I need to also point out that everyone's like, oh, they offloaded so much and were so quick and so convincing against Ireland. They played three other games in that World Cup, in, or in that group. And OK, against Scotland, they were similar. But watch it back. Against Samoa and against Russia, they weren't that convincing. Um, so I was really happy to see them finish strong. Um, I think probably their fitness and conditioning got the better of Chile as the game went on. Um I thought Chile was a brilliant start to the game. I was so happy to see them get on the board six minutes into their first ever World Cup. They have a try, and again, similar to the Italy Namibia game at halftime, this game is still up for grabs. Um, I do. I stand by my statement last week in that I think they definitely prepared for this game. I think they went after uh, Japan as a as a potential upset that they might be able to, not maybe not even win, but get a few tries scored. Um, and yeah, like for, it was just it was just the, it was the fitness and the, I will, the, the conditioning of Japan in the end, because t- towards the end of the game, uh, the Chilean players, you know, their heads are low, they're panting. And then you have the likes of Michael Leach and, uh, Warner Derns, um, just bashing into the defense and getting that two or three meters, which again, is a, not a very, uh, Japan style of play, but, um, yeah, I the second round, Fakatava I thought was unbelievable, uh, for Japan. Um, I don't know how that form is going to translate into the next game. Um, I think if you're Japan, you're kind of rightly worried about how long it took you to put Chile away. Um, but again, I love the attitude of the Chilean team of keeping the ball alive. There was nothing they wouldn't try. Um, it was it was a joy to watch them play. I thought their fans in the stadium, by all accounts, were great. atmosphere, they added so much. Um, and it's worth remembering that four years ago, when Japan were beating Ireland in the World Cup group game, Chile were losing fifty nil to Canada. That's how far they've come in four years.
0: Yeah, no, it's very good, very good perspective of it. Um next game, South Africa Scotland. I think this is also tied for worst performance of the opening weekend by Scotland. Um I kept hearing about how Scotland, you know, they could rattle South Africa, they're they're here, they're gonna upset everyone in this group. Uh, I didn't buy it. I wasn't worried about Scotland and they showed me why uh, on uh, Sunday night because I don't think that was a very good South Africa performance, I think that was probably uh, a C plus, maybe B minus game from South Africa and they only let them score 3 points, Scotland looked rudderless, I thought Scotland looked there was a lot of like last ditch like, almost grubber kick attempts by Finn because like, there was nothing else on they didn't show up in the second half at all and like I know South Africa put a lot of pressure on you and they make you do silly things sometimes but I think everyone was expecting a lot more from Scotland. Um, I said in the WhatsApp, South Africa would win by twenty points. They didn't. They only won by fifteen. But if Liboc had brought his kicking boots at all, bar the no look cross field, which everyone everyone keeps you know hailing, but that and it is incredible. But he missed some pretty bad bellies and conversions at the same time. Uh, Sam, first of all, your thoughts on Scotland? How disappointed were you in them? <laughs>
2: Quite disappointed. I thought. Well, I'm. I'm usually quite dismissive of Scotland going into every Six Nations and keep hearing how they're going to upset us, and they just don't really like. Then last World Cup, they were supposed to upset us. They just didn't. This World Cup, I I don't want to eat my words here, but I just don't see them upsetting us. I say I always I do caveat saying our quarterfinal with if we make it to the quarterfinal because I do want to be respectful of the competition and them. I don't think anything can really go against us I think that we will beat Scotland because we're better than them I, d- I think that that was not necessarily their best or their their level but I don't think that they were too far away from it I don't think that their touch on South Africa I think they have a, a lot of good players and that they can probably play better than that but I still think if they had played better I think South Africa would have played better I think that one leads to the other because I think South Africa were always going to win that game I don't think Scotland were ever going to upset them and South Africa are also the the team that no one wants to play against the kryptonite for every team because they're big they're bulky they're fast they're skillful they have a little bit of everything uh, and they have a big bit of the big thing which is being bigger and stronger than everyone and uh, that counts for a lot in rugby I thought Finn Russell had a, an off day Finn Russell can be magic he can do something he can make something out of nothing he was trying quite hard he almost had a great 50-22 that and Colby batted back into play there was moments where he nearly got things going I, I think if he had maybe stepped it up a little bit it could have been closer but then that probably puts pressure on Libok and Libok probably lives up to it because outside of kicking, Libok was class. And I think that Libok had a good game for South Africa, and I think that he's a he's a an outstanding out half that is a little bit iffy off the tee. Hopefully, if it was if I was a South Africa fan, you'd hope that he gets his kicking boots when it ma- matters, which is in knockout games because I don't think they're going to have any issue getting there. I I do think that that showing, if that is the level that they're at, if they're not going to be able to push on, Ireland could definitely upset them. Ireland could beat them. I think I. I don't want to say upset, Ireland are the number one team in the world we've beaten them recently, but I think that Ireland can be better than them. I think that that centre pair in Ireland have definitely caused them a little issues. I think our forwards will be able to step, stand up to them, maybe not beat them at their own game, but stand up to the game that they have. I think we have the players there to do it. So I'm really excited to go over for that South Africa match. It's, it's I think, going to be the game of the group stage. Even if it's not that high scoring, I think that it'll just be ferocious. And I'm so excited. So... I'm disappointed in Scotland the weekend because I thought that they might maybe scalp South Africa if they if they caught them on the hop and they really played to the best of their ability. But no, I think that that was Scotland's level.
0: Just on Libok as well, I will say defending him, the first kick that he missed was it was a tough kick. And then they asked him to kick one from like 10 metres further out again for the second one, like within two or three minutes. And once he missed that one, you could tell the confidence just wasn't there. Uh, Faf kicked well I thought when he you know, he slotted two from two so that was very impressive but Westy I think I agree with Sam I think they have to stick with Libok just because of everything he brings are, are, apart from the, the, the off the tee um, are your thoughts similar?
1: Yeah I'm sure it's not the first time it's ever happened but I didn't realise Faf was that good off the tee I thought it was really impressive kicking um, yeah I, I well they haven't really bought another 10 I don't think Damien Venom say is going to be much better in the 10 jersey I think uh, Mario mm-hmm. LeBach and Damien will link up really well as a 10-12 combination with Mario Le at, at 10. I think for the Stormers, they're, they're a joy to watch. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, I don't really know what the status is on Andre Pollard. Is he expected to be back, you know, for the, let's say, the knockout stages of the World Cup? That could be a thing that they bring him in. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they have Mario LeBach now. Um, and I think he's getting better with each game, right? Like, he already kicked better in this game than he did... Um, Probably in the Welsh game, um. So he is improving, and as I said before he's a kicking stats of about seventy five percent in the URC. It's it's, uh, it's almost unusual. You put him in a different color jersey, and all of a sudden, I'm not like sixty five percent isn't or seventy five percent sorry, isn't uh, an insurmountable statistic to have, but it's not an, an awful statistic to have. But um, no, I think as you guys said, I, I think I think Scotland defended really well in the first half. They kind of controlled South Africa and didn't allow them to to really. Uh, try too much else but yeah I mean I don't I, like thinking back on a game now I can't really remember too many overly close calls from a Scottish attack, Scottish p- attacking perspective so I think it's the attack which is really, really surprising because they looked really good in the attack again you think of the two f- games against France in the warm-ups um, particularly in the second half they were able to dig it out and you know, I kind of thought in this game at whatever it was 6 or 9, 3 at half time I was like okay Scotland would look to have a big second half now. And, you know, maybe that's where the bomb squad is kind of the ultimate counter-attack to that. Because once they try to build, you have these uh, five or six massive lads coming on. I know they didn't all come up at, at the same time this time. But, um, yeah, I think Scotland's real worry is their attack. They really have to work on uh, cre- how they create chances and where they look to create chances. They tried one move where they switched twice. um, And I think it was Darcy Graham just ended up running smack, Head first into a South African behind the gain line, um, because he was still waiting for Finn Russell to go that way from the first to, for the first switch, um. But what worries me is it's the same thing maybe I said about New Zealand, their next two fixtures now I think are um they have a week off now and it's Tonga and then Romania or is it the other way around I can't remember, um. But they have two weeks now to build that attacking game and try and get some confidence back into it. So while I agree with you and I don't think they will upset us, I whether you want to credit this to South Africa's defense or not, I don't think that was anywhere near the level of attack we've seen from Scotland in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I would be, I would be worried a little bit worried I would be cautious of uh, them building back that attacking standard with uh, well about, we will by no means be an easy game but with a, with a ramp back up to playing us
2: their Scotland's answer to the bomb squad was much less impressive like WP Nell, Batty, <laughs> Jerry coming on at 56 minutes to, it's, uh, not, didn't go down too well they did fairly decimated their first scrub I think they kind of I think so South Africa did like they did like three separately but within a minute of each other it was like 53, 55 and
1: yeah and, and they'd already lost um, Etzebeck because he was off in, in the first
2: yes yeah, so, and I mean he came on after about half an hour or so so good to see him playing as a well. freak of nature he's just the yeah, the, the offloads point are... He, the, the one-handed basketball offloads are just sick.
0: Yeah, but someday someone's going to cop that and just going to punch that ball right out of his hand. <laughs> it's going to be glorious. Because <laughs> it's just like, he, he even, like, the hand goes up before he was into contact. <laughs> like, it's just, he's but just waiting for it.
2: He's like... You How know, can you defend it? it? He's too tall. <laughs> you know when you're playing, yeah. You know when you're playing with, like, your little cousin and you're just holding the ball up and they're trying to jump up? That's what it is. It's just <laughs> people trying to get the ball off him. He can do it if he, all he wants.
0: Uh, I think Wesley on your point about Scotland's attack I think it's I was very I thought South Africa defence was very very impressive because even that time the one attacking threat threat Scotland had was the Darcy Graham break and he didn't pass it within another phase they were back and they were they were set and they were pushing up out of the line and hitting hard and it's just like god you, you got one glimmer and then they were back on your ass as quick as anything else it's so so impressive and um, Could we just touch briefly on the 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 Razzie Shine the Lights? Like, I'm no Razzie fan. I feel like this is just looking for something that's not even there. Uh, Like, why are we? Someone, a journalist asked if it was legal. What? Like, what is? Is it just because it's Razzie that people just want to ask questions? People just asked him if they
1: checked with World Rugby beforehand if they were allowed to do it.
2: He's like, did I have to? (laughs) He's he's been doing it for years. He was doing it before he went to monster. They were talking about doing it with cones in South Africa. It's it's. In no way illegal. People need to calm the fuck down. And it's mainly the same three poxy journalists who are quite vocal on Twitter about stuff like this. It's just communicating with his team. The same way that you can communicate down through a water boy, The same way that you can have uh, tactics. All of those things. It made no difference. He totally about to kick two. He fucked up anyway. So what the fuck does it matter? Like, you see, I, I think that it's making something out of nothing purely because Razzie is able to sell clicks and that's why they're doing it they're like oh razzy did this you know it's just i think it was such a farce of a thing to be getting a, uh, up in arms about or to be questioning whether it's legal or not like who the fuck cares it's like it's not illegal and it shouldn't be illegal so just let them do it
0: I, I i know people are saying like oh like he's no trust in his players you can argue that all you want but i'm sure there's a great like mental side of this where like the players You know, not having that pressure of decision-making frees them up, I'm sure, a lot. It takes away some of the stress, maybe, even of the game. Uh, Look, we can get into it all, that, but... Yeah, there's nothing there. But speaking of getting angry, uh, let's talk about Wales-Fiji. Final game of the weekend. Uh, Sat down last night, very eager to watch Fiji hockey Wales. I was hoping that was going to be the result. Uh, But no, Wales come out 32 points, 26. Probably the game of the weekend. Not that that was probably hard to achieve. Um... Fiji, I think, were absolutely robbed, but we'll get to that maybe towards the end. Let's talk about Wales first. Uh, Westy, overall, very impressive from Wales. They came in to uh, this World Cup. No one really gave them much of a chance. They looked quite good at times. Rack up 32 points is no mean feat. Uh, they'll be delighted with how that first game went.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Wales, Fiji. Let's talk about refs, baby. Machu Carly. works. Um <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Wales. Is that what you said, Wales? Yeah. Um, they, they were impressive at times. I thought they handled the physicality really well. Um, they managed to contain the likes of Randra and at well, Botti when he came on, to a certain extent, um, maybe to more of an extent than I thought that they would, especially for such a young team. Um, I, what, one of the things that worries me, it, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe someone else will remember differently. I don't remember uh, so much... Uh, dissidents in a Warren Gatlin side like they were I remember at halftime um Dan Biggers like screaming at, at George North for like not wrapping around like at that point I was like these guys are gone like the heads have completely gone
2: Did you see Josh Navidi criticizing it on BBC Wales no I didn't yeah he said oh you don't want to see that from Dan Bigger that's not on and I was like geez that's a player who's only just out of yeah
0: like he's only a year out or so isn't it like yeah retired. Well, the second the second one I, I could get they didn't kick the ball out and it was stupid the first one was just it was just over the top it, it looks like he's almost doing it for the cameras i think the way uh, do, it could be over wrong
2: top in general i think you you bring it into the change room and you just deal with it there like it, it it happened yeah people get angry with each other and i i don't you don't want to see it i think that there's a much better way of dealing with it and i think it might be a little bit of hint of a reason why he's not the captain because it all things considered, other than that in the game, he should probably be captain. He knows the game the best, and he is. He's been a successful captain for them, but they've obviously Gatlin has made a decision for one reason or another, and that might be part of it.
0: Yeah, maybe. Sorry, Wes, that we interrupted you. Um, yeah, but
1: like, look, they created chances and took chances well, um, particularly in that kind of period between the fiftieth minute and the uh, maybe seventieth minute. Um, they kind of imposed themselves on the game, and even Gatlin said at the end of the game, he was like, "Oh, I never thought it was over," kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought Wales were definitely. It was some of that level of of Warren Gatlin. This back into them, right? The the really big hits, the real physicality, the kind of the structure and cohesion was back, and um, not to the same level that it might have been uh, six or eight years ago, but. Um, I, uh, I was surprised when they scored first. I wasn't too surprised when Fiji came back, but I was surprised they were able to build that lead into the second half and almost, you know, put themselves, what was it, 16 points ahead or 15 points ahead, put themselves in a position where um, against a lot of other teams, like, they haven't won. And I think all the kind of, like, at that point, Fiji could have been pretty disappointed in, in the way things have played out, but um, I think it says a lot about them as well that they were able to, wrap things together for, for 10 minutes
0: 15 minutes and, uh, um, and get themselves within a score of winning the game yeah I know and even yeah with, with that last I think the, we're seeing afterwards as well like the, the pass to the inside centre was on and they probably would have scored and unfortunately the skip pass wasn't really necessary Sammy knocked it on but we we'll have to talk about the a refereeing again which is a real shame but of Carly, if anyone didn't watch it uh, basically Fiji were camped and Wales is, try line for a lot a lot of offenses a lot of penalties uh, and several warnings were issued uh, and then wales went back up the pitch and it seemed like i think it was only one really incident and fiji immediately got yellow carded um, and everyone on twitter basically erupted and then it, it kept happening wales got a pity yellow card i think five minutes later that was at, at that stage too late and then again, Fiji, for the last five minutes, were camped for several offences. And the, even when he pulled pulled over the captain of Wales and everyone's like, here we go. And he's like, if this happens again, you know, it'll be card." And you're like, what is going on? It was a really strange officiating performance. Um, and unfortunately, again, has taken the headlines of what was a great game.
2: The worst part of the entire sequence that you just said is that the CG yellow card was a definite yellow. That mole was walking over the line and he brought it down. And that was, there was no doubt in my mind that that was the yellow. It was the circumstances before and after that allowed us to get annoyed. Like Wales got away with a penalty try for that no arms tackle. They got away with countless yellows. They should have been warned about four or five times before they weren't. And then after the fact, after they've already been warned and gotten a pity yellow card, they go back to the square one on the warnings, which I don't think is how it should work. I think if you're on a warning and you get a yellow card, it's still repeated infringements after that. So I think Wales got very lucky that Carly had the game that he did because there was a couple of decisions there that I just thought were poor. I thought there was a Wales high tackle, like I said earlier. He was dominated in the tackle, so it just gets completely left off. I thought that BG could be rightfully annoyed, but there was also a couple of decisions made that weren't probably their best. Like the the past, there was an underline being run at the very end there. He gets... To if not over the line easily if he does that I don't think the skip pass is needed considering how they'd built up the phase play leading up to that point they'd gotten themselves in such a good position it was a rush of blood to the head they missed is a is a Caleb Muntz, the out half who uh, pulled out injured they missed him hugely because he has been such a shining light for them and I thought uh, is it Tati or Tia I don't know how it's pronounced apologies any Fijians listening, uh, I don't think he was able to manage the game in the way that Munz has done in the last couple of months or uh, last couple of games for Fiji. So that was a big miss for them. The entire game is soured because of refereeing decisions. We look at it now angrily. Fiji should have gotten that result. I think that those refereeing decisions were definitely huge, but there are also some Fijian play decisions that... Stopped them from winning as well. I think that they, they didn't come out fire in the second half. They allowed Wales in, which they shouldn't have done. There was a couple of moments where they just rushed a blood to the heads, poor, set piece. Few bits that are overshadowed by the refing decisions. They are also contributing factors into why that they didn't beat them, because I think that that Wales team were there for the beating, and that Fiji team could have beaten them if just a couple of things had gone a different way, the ref being one of those things.
0: Yeah, i think I note this is taking nothing away from Wales. I thought they played really well. They really impressed me considering how bad the build-up has been. Um, it's more, like Westy, the, obviously the, the narrative that's been going around for years is that Tier 2 nations are referee different to Tier 1 nations. Is that a myth or do you think there, there is some weight to that?
1: Yeah, um, talk the words that I'm, at. I'm not going to overly criticise uh Carly's decisions necessarily um because there's too much logic in that. I'm gonna go with the completely passionate response of if that was the other way around, I guarantee you. Like we I know you can't prove it, right? You can't prove it. Every single one of us knows Alan Wynne Jones knew on RTE on the game that if that was the other way around, would have been three Fijians in the bin and that would have been it. There's no question. So um yeah you can say that they're you know they're minor infringements if you want and like oh he's given them time but like there's no way a Fijian team gets to four penalties before they get a warning, let, let alone once. Like, not, sorry, not even once, let alone twice. So um, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, the referee robbed them the game. As Sam said, like, th- they butchered a couple of chances. They were over the line three times and it wasn't tries. You know, there's definitely times they were knocking on the door, knocking on the door, probably trying to get that penalty yellow card where they should have just backed themselves and whipped at the back because they were sucking in Welsh lads like, Okay, I didn't have the wide-angle view, I wasn't the stadium, but I can't imagine there was much coverage out. One scrum, I think, when they're both down to 14 men, where they go blind, uh, whereas it's a two-on-two, where the, and the, the scrum half sticks way too tightly to the scrum and gets himself caught. So it's I'm not going to say that's the reason that they lost, because they also had some poor decisions uh, in their run of play. And as, as Sam said, maybe if, if Caleb Muntz was there, it would have been a little bit different, although I thought, I thought Taylor played quite well. Um but, yeah, I just think sadly, I'm sorry, and I hate to be this person, but like it would have been different if it was the other way around.
0: I'll say it. Fiji were robbed uh I don't I didn't like it at all. I hated it i I haven't seen a response like that on Twitter, not, not saying that that's much you know <laughs> there's not much truth to that, but I don't know, like should there be some accountability for that? Should there be I know Sam, you can maybe fact check me on this, but I know in the Premier League when referees have bad games. Um sometimes they can be demoted down to lower league games or lower level games or at least take some time off. Like, Matthew Carley was, and I hate, you know me lads, I don't like Tom about Fariz, but this has been crazy. Matthew Carley was shockingly bad in that game. Should should there be some responsibility for that? Should there be uh, maybe let's you know maybe he should be given a few games off? I'm not sure that's possible with the with the way the World Cup is you know whatever. But I'm saying is like should there be some accountability for that going forward? Like that was because that wasn't good enough. Again, like if a player played that bad for a game, they'd be dropped. They wouldn't be they wouldn't be back playing the next week. Why is it different for referees or should it be different for referees? I'm opening that up to the floor here.
2: It's not different for referees, though. They are, there are protocols in place. Play, uh, referees regularly get demoted to Tier 2 rugby during Six Nations and things. If they're not up to scratch or they 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 go to European Rugby Championship or they go to Challenge Cup or they don't get a URC game or they go to TMO or sideline, that does happen. I don't know what the protocol is for the World Cup because there's a small group of refs. So I don't know if you can get demoted or if there's you know running the line a couple of times. And that might be the case. But to say there's no accountability is wrong. I do think there needs to be more accountability. I think that's been an issue in rugby for quite a long time. We have spoken about it on this podcast, but we've also made an active decision in the last year or so to stop talking about it because it comes across as quite bitter. When there's a situation where we are entirely neutral fans, not entirely because we all want Wales to lose, but when we're mostly neutral fans and it's like that and you can discuss it, We are not bitching and moaning as Connick fans on a Monday or as Ireland fans after Six Nations. We are here talking about a game that we objectively watched and we all watched and everyone is unanimously quite disappointed with the standard of the referee on the day. Uh, Not to say he's a bad ref. I don't don't remember his work. I'm not overly familiar with it. Maybe I've seen him ref before, but this case, it was poor. There was some poor decision-making that feeds into a thought that Tier 2 nations are ref differently. Something that refs would be quite quick to say, no, no, that's definitely not the case. They've just, you know, worse discipline or blah, blah, blah. blah. This one was was quite obvious for all to see. And I think that he will, if there is a, a protocol or a process in place where he can be demoted, I think that will happen to him because there's no one, even his superiors, can look on objectively and say that he had a good game there.
0: That, that,
2: that, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say that there, there is quite a lot of accountability internally with World Rugby. So, right after that game, he has to re watch it and he has to score how he did. He has to submit to World Rugby and then they re watch it with him and they go through the decisions like, why? explain why you made this decision, explain why you made that decision. So, there is accountability. He he will have a tough week now explaining what happened. One of the ways, again, I don't, I don't know, but one of the ways I've heard they reward the best referees in the group stages by giving them quarter-final games and semi-final games. And, you know, usually the most, you know, the best referee in the competition is usually given the World Cup final as, as an honour, you know. Um, because the way the group state games are scheduled, the referees are all set, you know, m- a month in advance and they have to organise combination and transport. So I don't think he'd be demoted, but um, unless his performance improves, I'd be really surprised to see him get a game um, outside of the group stages.
2: They also have to be neutral as well. So That's why yeah. you see the likes of, like, You know, oh, Nigel Owens can ref the World Cup final because Wales didn't make it, sort of thing. That's that happens as well. So, you know, Carly, I think I believe is English. I I don't want to say maybe he could be he could be born in Scotland. He could be, you know, he could be refing on behalf of another nation, but I'm pretty sure he's refing on behalf of the RFU. So, potentially
0: Welsh, potentially Welsh. Uh, It's also going
1: to be tough in a game like that because like there was distance from the start, right? Like it was a you know, it was a it was a messy game and he wants to let it run as much as possible so I don't think it's necessarily safe to vilify him but I also I stand by what I said I think if if Fiji had the same level of infringements camp in the try line for that long there'd be at least one player in the bin if not two
0: yeah look at my a lot of my, and I don't want to tell about referees but when it was that obvious you kind of have to like, it, was, it was that bad because uh, you're, you're always going to get one or two calls wrong that's what happens but I don't know their conversation, and a lot of the refs. It's not their fault. It's taken out of their hands with how you know head conscious everything is at the moment. Um, it's it's a tough job to do. I'm not denying that, but that was really, really obviously poor. Um, and I just you know you don't want games decided by that. Is all I'm saying. I think that potentially was a game that was decided by that. But look, again, nothing away from Wales. Fantastic start. That was a game that they were worried about uh, of the last couple of months. Um, and to go out and get the the bonus point win. Happy days! They'll be absolutely delighted with that. Um, that wraps up all the games, boys. We got it. We we did it. R- week one. Um, we have a game Thursday. France, Uruguay. Uh, we should be a uh, should be a win for France. But everyone will be excited to see Uruguay, Westy, I know you'll be excited to see Uruguay. You absolute fiend for rugby. You. Um, and yeah, we'll be fr- West You're heading. buddies are heading to the Tonga game, which will be exciting. I will be watching from home, but you guys will be there. Um predictions, little predictions. How, how are we feeling for that?
1: For okay. the I am feeling I'm feeling confident. I think it'll be a decent level of rotation. I don't know what the story is with Henshaw. I didn't actually hear about the switch until um Mac came on the pitch. And I was like, Oh geez, I not he was on the uh on the panel. Um but I'd be you know, hopefully we see Stuart McCluskey probably start uh and Henshaw if he's available, you'll probably see a change in the uh, halfback partnership. Uh Mac will probably get the start over Earls, but maybe Jimmy O'Brien comes in uh, to one of the other positions and I'd say probably I, I thought Joe McCarthy played really well, but I'd say we probably will might see a change up in the second round where it's either uh, maybe Joe McCarthy and Henderson or or some other combination. So I'd say we'll see a couple of changes around the park, but they will try and keep some level of consistency because the game was so strong. But I think it'll be I think it'll be a lot closer. Um, but I think it'll probably still be a two or three score game in Ireland's favour.
0: Yeah, Sam, are you excited for your first World Cup game? Really excited. No, I was, I've sat
2: at home jealous of Westie the last two World Cups and he's been like, oh, come on to Japan. I was like, I can't go to Japan. I have school that day. And he's like, oh, let's go to England. I was like, I have no money. So this time I'm like, I'm going come hell or high water. I'm flying into Nantes via Zurich and I'm flying home via Rotterdam. I'm going for a grand total of like 20 hours, but I'm so fucking excited. I um, was
0: gonna say you're still in school and still have no money, but yet you're going this time. <laughs> <laughs> it is.
2: Still in school, no money. Uh, pay teachers. Yeah,
0: no. Everyone, hashtag. <laughs> I, hashtag pay the teachers. Yeah, I definitely I don't so you guys know me, I don't suffer from FOMO from like nights out or pubs or anything like that. Seeing the build-up to the Romania game, I I definitely was experiencing some FOMO. Uh, but hearing some of the horror stories has definitely helped that from the transportation. But yeah. I'm very excited to get to uh, the quarterfinal in, in a few weeks' time. That's for sure. But look, it's
1: it's manageable if you do it right. Like I only said that at the start just to warn people. But like it was the crack was absolutely unbelievable. We're all, we're all singing on the on the metro. Um, like it's it's such a positive environment. Like it is. I love the Rugby World Cup. Um. You know, you're meeting, you know, having pints, there were guys there in Spanish rugby jerseys. I was instantly right over, been like, how the hell, is, how are you guys feeling about this? Do you know? Because they'd be there like, oh, shut up us. Like, we, we won the tournament. It was like, oh, well, well, they came second at the tournament, but Georgia was the tournament. um, But some people around chatting to Welsh people watching the England-Argentina game who were going to the match yesterday. Like, it's just... It's such a great environment. Like, my only regret is that I... Well, it's not a regret that I'm back today, but I'm but I fly out again on Friday. I'm out for two weeks. So that's my big kind of uh, how much, trip around France. How
2: much of your Wednesday night French lesson French did you use?
1: I mean, I asked the shit out of où ou les toilettes, you know? <laughs> um, no, you use a bit. Like, but, I mean, it's, uh, it's same anywhere else you go, like, I was actually staying with a friend of mine who's French, and I was like, "Oh, every time I like, am I that bad? Like every time I ask a question, they answer English." She's like, "No, no, like, no, like they're trying to be nice. They think they're helping you, and also they want to practice their English. But like, you're in France, <laughs> like it makes more sense that like they let you chat away. Like, so it's um, I think the no. big
0: thing is that when you make an effort, they appreciate it.
1: They do, yeah, that's a, that's exactly it, to the more so fact, like, you've made the effort to ask in French, so like, they're like, oh, I'll, I'll help them out. I'll, I'll answer in English, so it's, no, it's a, it is a great experience, there's just some logistical issues, but as long as, I would say, go everywhere early, and also, from what I heard, the fans, I wasn't in the fan zone myself, but I heard it, it wasn't great, again, you have to kind of leave the televised area to go and get a pint, so, um, maybe your, your issue isn't pints, but I just mean that in terms of, like, getting food, and, it's not very well laid out and organised, so go but just be aware that things will take time Um, and we're on the same boat right there's no need to be shouting into a metro at people because they won't make space like they're crammed in there too it was a hot day like if you're listening you know you know who you are i'm not gonna bloody say it but can i
0: ask you sd brian o'driscoll
2: Uh, Can, can i ask you was the children's choir ireland's call as creepy in real life as it was on the tv
1: I wouldn't know. I was outside the stadium.
2: Oh! I, I only got
1: in. I got in just in time for the Georgia. Air, that's why you. That's
2: why you didn't have nightmares last night. Because yeah, it's haunting. I w-
1: watching it back in the uh, the coverage, it's, especially with like because they're out of sync, right? They're not singing it in the same. Like
2: it's. Mm-hmm. It's Straight. so it's so it reminds
0: bad. me of the take that, you know, we've come so far. That's all I could think of. <laughs> I it was, think wait, wait, it was waiting for Gary Barlow to pop up went, at some stage. It reminds
2: me of like an ad for like a horror PlayStation game where the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: Silent yeah. Hill. <laughs> yeah, and then some yeah. of- The Choir's Eyes. That's all I know. Uh right, lads, we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back next week. Uh Wesley could be tuning in from France, uh, which will be exciting. We will hopefully be, he'll be wearing a beret. Um, at some stage and that's all that's all he'll be wearing um, <laughs> hopefully uh, lads appreciate it as always and we'll catch you next week Bon week I said